Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Welcome back, everyone, to the Ilm Feed podcast with your host, Shabir Hassan. Uh, and uh, really, really excited for today's podcast uh, because we have with us um, everyone's uh, favorite Scottish Azhari. Uh, uh, and if you're wondering, okay, that, that's a, that's a bit of a that's a bit of a crazy mix there. Well, yeah, you know, we're gonna we're gonna explore that today. Um, he is uh, an academic. He's the head of research over at Bayina Institute, uh, and uh, many of you may know him as the Tafsir Doctor, but uh, we'll use his name, Sheikh Doctor Sohaib Saeed. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Wa alaikum assalam warahmatullah, Shabir. Very pleased to be with you today. Yeah, likewise. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing? Alhamdulillah, very well. Yeah, alhamdulillah. Are you in Are you in Scotland right now? I am. Yes. Um, yeah. Not really able to go anywhere else at the moment, but yeah, that's, where that's I want to be I'm anyway. Thinking. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> alhamdulillah. No, thank you for joining. I know we've been we've been trying to organize this for some time, uh, and obviously we wanted you to come down to the studio uh, in London, but that wasn't possible. But I'm just glad that, of course, we're, you're able to join us on this uh, on this live stream. Um, and yeah, I mean, you're not you're not the first uh, Scottish guest that we have. We've had, I think, maybe like one other, like so. So it's very rare out of like, you know, seventy or so episodes. Like that's, I don't think that's very, I don't think that's 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 very good on our part, is it? Chef? No, there's like, like five or six million of us here. I know it's not very. Good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're not the first. Uh, you're not the first Azhari either. We've had we've had a couple, but Alhamdulillah, you're the first we could say. Scottish Azhari. Maybe um, the first from uh, Usul al-Din faculty of Azhar. I don't know. We need a first something. <laughs> perhaps. Perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but no, really glad to have you on today. A lot of the discussions, uh, there'll be a range of things, I guess. Um, uh, uh, perhaps we'll, we'll, we'll go into the whole discussions on uh, Quran translation. Um, and uh, I actually forgot to, I actually forgot in my in my small little bookshelf behind me, I've got your book and I forgot, I was supposed to, actually, we'll, we'll try and organize that. Um, but uh, what I wanted to do before we actually begin um, is I actually wanted to do something a bit different and it's something that I didn't actually give you a heads up on. So I don't know how mm. you're going to be to do this, but I'm hoping it's going to be nice and fun and engaging and interactive for our viewers and listeners. And that is, Sheikh, look, we're going to, of course, talk about Quran translation um, shortly. But there's something that I, I think you even tweeted about it recently, uh, which was like something about, you know, when, you know, when, because of course, social media, mashallah, we've got lots of active Muslim users uh, and a lot of people, they share uh, verses from the Quran, right? Which is fine. It's mm. good. Everybody does it with, uh, you know, no good intentions. Uh, but I think you mentioned something which was like there's so many uh, Quran translations out there in English. Uh, so why not at least just pick one of them when you're sharing a verse rather than you basically just like making up your own translation and getting it. Uh, completely wrong right am, am i right in saying that you did tweet something yeah yeah and it was in reference really to people sometimes wanted to make a certain point and then yeah. they they distort the ayah in order to make that point yeah um yeah so that's unjustifiable and you know from every angle but of course you know there's no need to reinvent the wheel every time uh when mm-hmm. people have reinvented it maybe over a hundred times in English, each ayah has yeah. been translated many, many times by yeah. people who probably, not all of them are, 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 you know, are equal in their quality and accuracy and so on, but at least uh, each of them 
um, has somebody behind it who's really thought about how to translate the ayah and wasn't just mm-hmm. trying to quickly tweet something out. So, yeah, if, especially if somebody's um, not qualified to translate the Quran, and I was referring actually to somebody who was definitely not uh, qualified yeah. at all, um, then they should simply copy and paste um, an existing translation, whichever one they happen to choose. Yeah, I, I think we'll probably get into that. How do we? Yeah, how do we yeah, have yeah, we will. translations? We definitely will. So, so what I'm thinking of doing is I'm gonna I've picked like a couple of verses from the Quran, right? Um, mm. That uh, are uh, that are widely shared on social media. So, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you the verse, and I'm gonna I'm gonna give you the the way that everybody normally translates the verse, mm. and then I want you to kind of give a rating as to how accurate that translation is. Okay. And also, I'm gonna give you kind of like the 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 normal interpretation of that that you people usually go for and i want mm. you to also give your thoughts on is that okay. accurate interpretation? Oh, I know it's a bit of... <laughs> yeah no pressure at all but uh let's get into it i'm gonna i'm gonna start with um i'm gonna start with one that muslim twitter is uh, uh not just muslim twitter uh, this is like a very common verse it comes to marriage right of course we have to mention i know marriage. exactly where you're okay. going to be <laughs> okay you know my <laughs> love okay so this is <clears throat> this is um Verse number eight, Surah al Naba, right? Which you'll find on, uh, you'll find pretty much everywhere. So the, let's start with the translation, which everybody translates it as, which is, and we created you in pairs. Yes. So that's translation. And the interpretation usually that people go for is, this is kind of like, you know, the Quran's way of telling you that you have a soulmate um, and, you know, your partner's already been chosen for you and was that was already written for you. And this is a verse that is to do with marriage. Mm. So the basically the, the, the two questions on this first verse is how accurate is that translation? And we created you in pairs. And is it to do with marriage? And what's your take on it? Okay, so translation-wise, there's no problem with that translation. Okay. Uh, we created you in pairs or we created you as pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, or as waj, uh, is actually the plural of, of zawj, which is itself a part of a pair, right? So a pair is actually zawjan or zawjain, right? Mm. So the zawj is something which has a counterpart, right? So can that apply to uh, to man and women, to marriage? Sure, it does. It's one of the meanings of the ayah. The mm-hmm. ayah is actually much broader than that in the context of Surah Al-Naba. It's not uh, on the theme of marriage specifically. Um, but we have created you of all different kinds and complementary kinds, um, uh, different uh, shapes and sizes, different ages. We, you have been created in all sorts of different ways. And in that, there is a there is a direction to, uh, you know, one of the things that we can take from this is that we should look out for each other, that we should support one another that as, as a society, uh, as a Muslim society and a society in general, we should uh, try to complete each other um, to fill in the gaps that others uh, may have with support and solidarity. Um, and one of the meanings, of course, is, uh, you know, that's fulfilled through marriage. So uh, as for the idea of soulmate and so on, um, I wouldn't take it from this ayah at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But the basic premise that, yes, when you end up marrying somebody, that was actually the person that Allah destined you to be with. You know, you can't really question it on that theological yeah, level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But was that the only person that you could have considered? No, there could be other people that 
if you married them, they would be the right person for you. They're the ones that Allah, they're the one that Allah Azza destined for you, and and, and are suitable for you. So yeah, that that's slightly misused, but I don't want to hate on people as well, <laughs> you know, for, for using the eye in a certain yeah. way because it can apply to marriage. It's just clearly not about that. It's not really about uh, the soulmate idea, and the soulmate idea could also slightly mislead people into thinking that you know, out of a billion or so Muslims, there's only one person who is the right person for you. Mm. It's not as uh, as hard as that. So we're not we're not asking people to 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 stop quoting it in their wedding invitations, are we? <laughs> well, you know, it's it's probably this more obvious ayah to put on the wedding invitation. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Verse was it seventeen of sort of room? Uh, oh yeah, it, yeah, is it, or is it twenty seven? And uh, from among his signs is that he created for you mm. spouses from among yourselves and placed between twenty one, I think. Uh, mercy, uh, yes, twenty one. Uh, love and mercy, affection and mercy. Uh, this might be more obvious. Yeah, makes sense. Brilliant. Okay, interesting stuff. Uh, I'm going to give you uh, uh, just just maybe one more, depending on how much time we have. So there's another verse. I think it's two five six from Surah Al-Baqarah. La ikraha fid din. There is no compulsion in religion. That's the the standard kind of translation that we see on social media. And the the idea that people get from that verse is, um, well. You can't really force any Muslim to do anything if they don't feel like praying. You can't really force them. They don't feel like fasting. You can't really force them. So is that the correct application of the verse in terms mm-hmm. of Muslims and so on? Yeah. Well, okay. So about the translation, um, either you're going to see it as a, as a statement or translate it as a statement or as an instruction mm. or like a prohibition that there should be no compulsion in religion. There is to be no compulsion in religion. So both of those are valid uh, translation strategies. Uh, in terms of um, of meaning, the, the the direct meaning of it actually is to do with entering into the faith. So no one is to be compelled or forced to confess the faith or to become a Muslim if that, if they don't have the conviction to do so. Um, because because um, clear guidance has been made clear and distinct from misguidance. So uh, as such, that it's not something that can really be abrogated and, uh, you know, cancelled out as some people allege that, you know, this, yeah. this verse was cancelled by later revelations and now there is compulsion in religion. No, on this this basic meaning, there can never be compulsion in religion because that, that is explained by this principle. Truth is distinct from uh, error. Um, then, of course, there are some situations where, uh, you know, in all situations, you have to encourage each other Right, yeah. and especially if you have some influence or authority over someone, that you encourage them and, and push them in the right, right direction. Um, but ultimately, everything in faith has to come from from the heart and from conviction, even yeah. prayer and so on. Uh, there's a question that can be raised with regards to a Muslim authority: to what extent do they impose certain, uh, you know, basic premises of, of a Muslim society um, upon their populations as a whole? Yeah. Not upon each person as an individual, but but ensuring that the prayer is being maintained and so on. So those are things that scholars have always understood are not, uh, ex- you know, ruled out by this verse. Okay, yeah. but obviously, compelling populations to become Muslim would be excluded by this by this ayah. Mm. Okay, interesting. Is it kind of similar to like you know how I think it's in Surah Maryam when Allah speaks about 
Prophet Ismail السلام, he says, like, And we kind of take the meaning of Amr here, like he commanded his family to sure. pray, right? Is it kind of like that? Like it doesn't mean that he was forcing in that sense, right? Yeah, but at it the same time, it's not also like, yeah, if you want, you know, so Amr bil ma'roof, nahi al munkar. You know, that's yeah. the concepts, right? Commanding the good, forbidding the right, yeah. uh, forbidding the wrong, obviously. Um, so it, 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 you know, it can be, it can be strong, but ultimately, you know, faith or, you know, we are going to be accounted for what we do willingly because we're going to be accounted for our actions with their intentions. Yeah. If your intention is purely uh, out of fear of some authority or because in order to please somebody who, who's putting pressure on you or to get them off your back, it's not going to help you on the day of judgment. So why would yeah. we be the one to force someone that way? Your job is to instill conviction and love in that person's heart for uh, faith and for good actions. Um, mm. Otherwise, you, you yourself are not creating anything useful. If you know, forcing someone to to adhere to things externally. Mm. Interesting stuff. Okay, cool. Well, I I, I want to. There, there was a few other verses, but you know what? We'll just leave it. At, you know, leave it there for now. Uh, thank you for that because we want to get into the the main part of today's uh, discussions, uh, which is on off the back of what we've what we've just gone through there's Quran translations and trying to make Quran translations a bit more accurate and and so on. Um, actually, let's start with uh, you know your your publication, which was on um, Imam Razi's. Tafsir. You put out the first volume. It was translated, um, and like I said, the the copy is there somewhere, uh, which is yeah, uh, you've got, got it as well because I saw yours is far away. <laughs> excellent, excellent. <laughs> so, so Tafsir Al Kabir by Imam Razi. That's one of the names that it goes by, which literally is the great exegesis, you know. Um, and uh, how, so, how many how many volumes is, is do you usually find that Tafsir in when you look at the original? Mm. How well, many, how many um, have you? In, in in so far as this volume one is volume one, there are thirty two yeah. volumes. Right, thirty two volumes. Which is that? Is that one time. of the? Is that one of the biggest? Then you would say out of the. Uh, it is among the biggest because yeah. uh, Imam Al Razi uh, would some would go into more depth and go into some tangents as well, which people have um, sometimes said some quite uh, derisory remarks about the tangents of Imam Al Razi. Yeah. Um, famously, you know, people have said, "Fihi kullu shayin illa tafsir." That there's everything in there except for tafsir, mm. and then yeah. others have attempted to defend it by saying, "Fihi kullu shayin ma'at tafsir." It's got everything in there along with tafsir. <laughs> uh, but I think a lot of what is being called "kullu shay," you know, is actually tafsir as well, I mean, or can be seen within a broader conception of what tafsir is. Because yeah. tafsir is everything that is there to uh, to clarify the meanings of the Quran and connecting the meanings of the Quran to um, could be philosophical ideas, could be scientific phenomena and theories. Um, it could be all sorts of different things. If it helps you on some level to appreciate the meaning of the ayah, then it would still count as tafsir. Otherwise, it's supplementary material um, yeah. alongside tafsir. Um, so yeah, it's one of it's one of the biggest um, certainly of its time, uh, but certain other tafsirs are big for other reasons. Like uh, Imam Al Tabari's tafsir is big because mm. of the number of narrations that it contains, along with yeah. uh, Imam Al Tabari's own, um, you know, observations about the ayah, his conclusions, his discussions, mm. to the extent that a lot of people, when they look at tafsir Al Tabari, think that it really is just narrations. 
um, because they almost lost sight of the bits before the narrations and after yeah. the narrations. Uh, Imam Razi is not heavy on narrations. Um, he does bring them, he does use them, but um, he's got a different structure where he, under each ayah or maybe sometimes um, a little section of the ayah, he will say, and here we have some inquiries, masail. Yeah. Um, so he'll go through that. Um, and others have followed a similar uh, pattern, like uh, Amr Qurtubi, yeah. where they just take one sort of aspect at a time and they say, well, let's discuss it, maybe the linguistic aspect of it, maybe the qira'at of it, uh, the fiqhi aspects of, of what is connected to this verse, um, a philosophical problem that arises, a debate with the Mu'tazila over this yeah. ayah. Does it pertain to predestination or does it pertain to free will? Yeah. Um, so lots of different angles. Which which help you as a reader to realize that okay, there's a lot of different things that you can ask when you come to a Quranic ayah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just a case of as has become sort of the norm nowadays to think that tafsir is something that is prepackaged and, and done and dusted. Yeah, um, where somebody has already told us what it means, so all we have to do is pass on, right? Mm-hmm. As was often called tafsir bil matthur, right? Yeah. So we just we transmit the meaning of the ayah. Of course, you can transmit, but the point is you're transmitting somebody uh, who has said something about the ayah based on either um, revelation, if the Prophet ﷺ has told us something, or his companions are relating something from him that came from revelation, hmm. or it is um, something that they derived with their own uh, you know, reasoning. We say ra'i, you know, tafsir bir ra'i. Yeah, like, by opinion, but then you sort of make it sound bad, you know, as soon as you yeah. call it opinion, you know, yeah. it just means they're educated opinion, right? You see the difference? Tafsir bil ra'i, if it's educated opinion, if it's somebody who has a basis to say what they say about the Quran, then then we take that seriously. It still has to be weighed in the scales of uh, Quran and Sunnah and in, in mm. terms of reasoning and all other things, it has to be weighed by. So, yeah. Um, that's why it, uh, Imam al-Razi's tafsir is often has been in modern terms, uh, in modern times has been classified as, you know, uh, praiseworthy opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the scholars have categorized it in that way. Um, in reality, it's, it's kind of an encyclopedia of tafsir, an yeah. early kind of encyclopedia of tafsir. And then later tafsirs have incorporated what Imam al-Razi uh, talked about um, he became one of the very important um, scholars and, uh, and exegetes in our whole tradition. Mm. Um, so later, Mufassirs um, made use of what he said, engaged with what he said, argued with what he said. Um, but no doubt he is central to our tradition. So it was a great honor when I was asked to um, to translate, uh, first of all, volume one of Tafsir al-Razi. And now um, I'm just completing work on a second volume, which is actually a compilation volume of several surahs. Nice. Um, so that one includes Surah Yusuf, Surah Al-Kahf, oh, uh, and several others. So um, there in the other surahs, we get a bit more of the standard approach to tafsir, which is verse by verse. Volume one is is, is very rich in, in what we call the tangents or introductory materials that that re- reflect on different aspects of studying the Quran and it contains within it um, you know the direct tafsir of the ayat of the Fatiha as well but volume yeah. one is just around uh, Surah Al-Fatiha that's what sometimes people get quite you know amazed yeah, at I know. some 500 uh, pages of 
um, you know, of, of nothing uh, except for Surat Al-Fatiha and the things that are somehow connected to it. It is amazing because that's what everybody says. It's like one entire volume on, what, seven verses from Al-Fatiha. Um, and there's these 500 pages of tafsir. Like, how does that, you know, what is there exactly to speak about? You know, it's pretty straightforward. I grew up thinking, uh, you know, I know what hamd means. It's some sort of praise. But when you look into it, he's like broken it down. He's compared it with other words in, in Arabic that give some meaning of praise or gratitude or thanks and so on. So it really is is quite deep. I wanted to actually quickly ask you is, um, so we'll come to how you found it, the experience of translating that. But a work like this, which is so rich, especially like volume one, for example, uh, would you, would you, in your opinion, say you should have some level of understanding in tafsir prior to approaching this, a text like this, like a translation? Or would you say, you know what, actually, anybody can pick this book up and read it. And yeah, maybe you won't get everything in there, but you'll, you'll get the gist of things. So what's your opinion on that? Well, before translating it, you definitely should. Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 definitely. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and I say that like as if it's really obvious, but you know, for some people it's not obvious. I don't know why. Um, translating a text depends upon yeah. understanding that text. Um, if you cannot read it properly, you certainly can't translate it properly. Mm. In fact, I would go further. If you are not able, if you would not be able to teach a certain text, then yeah. you cannot translate it. I'm talking about books in Islamic ulum. Yeah. Right? So who would be able to teach? Uh, tafsir al-Razi. You've got to specialize in tafsir. It's not um, it's not an a big, a introductory text in tafsir by any means. Yeah. Um, Imam al-Razi is, of course, an Ash'ari uh, imam. Uh, so he has a lot of theological content there. He has got a lot of linguistic content. He has got um, content that pertains to the Qur'at. He's got content that pertains to philosophy, uh, where he references certain concepts and terms that come from mantiq and falsafa and so yeah. on. Um, he is a Shafi'i Faqih and Usuli. Um, so he's going to draw from those sources. So, you know, the, the challenge, to be honest, when I was set the challenge of translating it, I, I, I realized how enormous a challenge it was. There are other texts that I actually turned down mm. before, uh, not from the same project, but on a different project, I was offered to translate uh, Al Muntazam, which is a, a history text by Ibn al Jawzi. Right. I said I'm not. I'm not. In, I'm not a historian. I don't. I'm not trained in reading history books. Interesting. I cannot do it. I won't do it. So I turned it down. Then I was given Al Itqan fi Alam Al Quran of Suyuti, and I took that on. Hmm. Then I did Tafsir Al Razi. So bear in mind that in a way I had to go through the initial hardship and hurdle of of translating from Al Itqan fi Alam Al Quran, yeah, which is yet to be published, inshallah. Um, before I felt, yeah, you know what, I could take on Tafsir Al Razi. And in order to do that, I had to draw on every resource that I could. Uh, it drained my very being. Uh, <laughs> but the fact that I you you know, went to Al-Azhar and I studied, you know, the type of things that Ar-Razi is, is dealing with in his text, you know, and I specialize in the field of tafsir, but of course, all the, 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 the you know, the other ulum that I've touched on, you know, just earlier that are contained in this tafsir, you have to have a familiarity with them. Otherwise, what will happen is, You'll come across certain things and you'll just assume it was a straightforward sentence and you won't realize, oh, he's touching on something here. In order to get exactly what I say, I'm going to have to go and look at about seven different books to figure out exactly. Yeah. Even to get the wording right, to read the sentence correctly, 
and to have the right term. How is this actually discussed? You know, what what words are used for this in English? I'm going to have to look at some <clears throat> translations of other works as well, and decide whether I'm you know want to borrow the same uh, translation rather than just okay, I'm going to look in some dictionaries. I'm going to just translate yeah. things according to the dictionary. We yeah. have a real problem, to be honest, in, in texts being published like this that have yeah. been translated by people with good intentions, but who were not um, up for it yet. They were not at the at the level to to handle the text that they've taken. Then take something simple, take a contemporary writer who's writing some reminders and translate that. That, that should be fine. Yeah. We're going to deal with um, our core texts and our classical um, a'imma. They're going to be talking in a language which is which is quite different from the familiar uh, everyday language that you can mm. just solve through dictionaries. Yeah, um, and I know this because I, I work with um, I, I work on drafts of translations as well, and I and I have to deal with the mistakes that translators make. It is it is a, a lot of my day is spent on just utter frustration at why did you, <laughs> why did this person think that it meant that it means something yeah. completely different because they missed the point because they're not um, absorbed in that that particular uh, and i knew i would have done exactly that mistake if i yeah. tried to translate a history book i would have seen something and i thought it was a word and it was actually somebody's name or the name of their mm, home I yeah i can imagine translate it as if it's a word um so you have to have a feeling <clears throat> um so with tafsir razi to be honest what happened with me was was definitely a growth process you know it was it was yeah. a, what we call a learning curve right so i started off not very confident I went through periods of despair <laughs> and and then came out the other side actually um loving this work and um and and I didn't have a really to be honest prior to to working on it I didn't have much of a connection to Tafsir Razi or much affection for it yeah uh, now of course I do um to the extent that I've become known as Imam Razi's lawyer <laughs> on Twitter <laughs> um but that's that's because I see a lot of misunderstandings around his tafsir as well. People use it yeah. um, in the way that you said at the beginning about certain ayahs are, are misquoted and so on. With uh, tafsir al-Razi, for some reason, every uh, individual or sect wants to quote al-Razi as agreeing with them. You want to claim uh, him. Or, or you know, basically suggesting that, he's, you know, that they can find a precedent for their strange views in tafsir yeah. al-Razi. Um, and oftentimes it's just based on a complete misreading or misquoting. Mm. How long did it take you then? Like it, uh, dedicating to this project? two years working pretty much two time. years. Wow. Um, okay. Sort of spread over a couple of different periods of time. Mm. But um, yeah, I, did, I was I was working full pelt on it for what amounts to two years. Wow. And you know, going back to what you said about uh, you've come across some some really odd kind of translations without name dropping or calling. Like, is there any any examples that you can give of some like translations gone horribly wrong, whether it's Quran or or anything no, else? Off the top I, of your head? I mean, um, the good thing is I, I'm now in a position where I can catch these things before they get published. Okay. Uh, and and the thing is that it makes me very worried about what has been published mm. to the extent that I actually don't like to look inside those books because I like to just maintain um, a positive view or a neutral view. Um, I don't. Like I don't go out looking for mistakes or in order to expose anybody or whatever. Sure, yeah. Um, I think that if we are in a situation where translations are needed in our community, then you know people are going to use them. Um, but what I do is I draw attention of my students who I'm trying to nurture this 
critical eye in translation. Mm. I try to get them to be very cognizant of the the types of errors that happen, so that they don't make those errors. You know, uh, otherwise, there's no point just telling everybody, "Oh, this translation is rubbish, that translation is rubbish." Well, yeah, you know, yeah. make another one then, so that they can use it. Otherwise, why trash? You know, the work that exists. Yeah. But in tafsir, we don't have very much um, available at the current time. Uh, mm. What's available is, you know, just a few works that are translated in full. And then you have some more that are translated in part. And people yeah. are going to use those, right? Um, there's no point kind of um, whinging about the, the translations. Mm. Um, there can always be room for improvement, um, including in tafsir al-Razi, no doubt. Uh, but, you know, I think if somebody doesn't like my translation, there's probably still better things they could spend the time on rather than retranslating uh, <laughs> Okay, so you know, you know, like, so we've pretty much established, uh, and you've mentioned already. You kind of alluded to the fact that it's not enough to to know Arabic to be able to translate um, uh, the Quran into whichever language. It's not just it's not enough to just master the Arabic language. It's not enough to just refer to dictionaries. There's there's more to it. So, what would you say is if we were to like say, okay, what's a beginner's guide to without going into detail? You know, time does not permit. But without going into detail, what's a, like a beginner's guide to being able to produce a good translation of the Quran, what some of the basic things, or maybe not basic, but what some of the things I mean, that you there's need? No, there's no need for beginners to produce a translation of the Quran. <laughs> true, true, uh, yeah, true. Yeah. Like, so we have we have dozens and dozens of, of translations, and those who have done the translation vary from um, you know scholars who who are well established in tafsir to people who really, frankly, you got to say, why did you do this? Why did you bother? I mean, even if you did it as a hobby, why did you publish it? You know, did you not? Did you not have some, you know, some shame really? To be honest, to put some of these, uh, because so yeah. many translations of Quran get published, it's really crazy, um, really crazy. But you know, it adds to a kind of richness. Okay, I'm going to get in, into this before you get a chance to ask it. So I get asked, of course, very frequently, what is the best translation of the Quran? Yeah, yeah, we're going to come to that definitely. And the thing is that um, I'm, I, it's not. There's never going to be really, um, because of the way that I work with Quran translations, I can't really um, even begin to answer that question, what is the best translation of the whole Quran? Because I would look at it ayah by ayah, right? So if I'm looking at a particular verse, and, and I'll, I'll think about um, you know the meanings that have been discussed by the Mufassirin, and then I look at the translations, and, and I'll use a, a website like islamawakened.com. Mm. It's got a very long list of translations. Yeah. And I look through and I scan through the translations and I see, okay, I see what this person was thinking and I see what that person was thinking. Um, interesting word choice. Okay, okay. I look at it, you know, uh, th- through them as a whole and I will sometimes say, oh, I actually, I, I like what that person did or this is terrible. Oh my God. Well, did this person not understand anything? And sometimes the person that I'm saying didn't understand anything is the best for another ayah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes the person didn't understand anything is actually like a, one of the most popular translations it could be one of the best translations. and I, like i say i don't go out there to, to to trash anything i'm just saying that you know as a critical reader myself and person in the field of quran translation that's that's what i deal with so it would be more like what's the best translation of this ayah and then i wouldn't even have like just one i might say okay these are some of the ones that i think really got did a good job of that ayah um, and these are some that didn't do a good job of the ayah, but then the, the you know the list might be reversed for another ayah. So that's why I cannot say that what is best for 
a person, you know, which is the best choice to go and buy. Yeah. To be honest, uh, it's, 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 it, you're very free to choose. And then the reason that you choose something might be for reasons other than accuracy, rather than just the question of accuracy, right? Yeah. So what do you find flows well for you? So some people say, oh, I really don't like the old-fashioned uh, kind of English, the and thou and stuff. Yeah. Well, the thee and thou gets a lot of hate for, for <laughs> you know, what's so, is it so hard to learn a couple of these and thous? You know, it's easier than learning the whole of Arabic, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. So people hate on it, but okay, fine. You get updated versions of the same translations as well. The Yusuf Ali mm-hmm. translation, some people have stripped out the these and thous, replaced it with, yeah. with you and you. Okay, so um, some of them are more literary, flowery, um, and some of them are more sort of have a more technical feel, uh, terse expressions. Uh, some of them have got more brackets than others. Some people mm-hmm. really dislike brackets. Some people, you know, recognize that, okay, the, the translator is trying to, to fill in some gaps in your understanding. But sometimes the translator is doing more than that and trying to impose something that is from outside mm-hmm. the text. So to be honest, it's a, it's a, it's a complex question. Yeah. Uh, normally, I would just say to someone, like, what do you have? What have you been reading? You know, and if you like that, carry on. You know, mm. we don't. You don't have to adopt the one translation that I tell you is uh, is the best translation. And then people push and they push and they push, and then I say, okay, Abdul Halim. I say Professor Abdul Halim because he's my ustad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but that doesn't actually mean that I think Professor Abdul Halim is the best in all ways and all ayahs, right? Yeah. With all respect to him, nobody mm. has that title or that crown. Uh, to be best and always. So anyway, this is what a person needs to do is is to is to appreciate translations. And I want to say that uh, there 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 is a tendency to talk about reading translations as if it's purely according to necessity. Like, um, oh, what a shame! You know, you have to read translations. Oh, if only you could read the the the, the Arabic. You know, it's not as bad as that. It's not as bleak as that because yeah. translations are at the end of the day a kind of tafsir of the ayah. Uh, it's a short tafsir that pertains to the words of the ayah more than it pertains to any other aspect of it, right? It's the words of the ayah are being explained. Instead of explaining it in the same language, so Arabic to Arabic, yeah. it's explaining it in a different language, say English, right? So when you read a translation, you're reading a tafsir. Uh, a lot of Arabs, by the way, do not read tafsir, not even a simple tafsir. And yeah. they... It just doesn't occur to to a lot of people who are, are brought up speaking Arabic of whatever description of Arabic we're talking about here. Mm. It doesn't occur to them that they actually need something like that to understand the Quran correctly. So um, they make some mistakes in in reading certain ayahs, and they don't know that they're making a mistake because they just assumed it was right. And I've yeah. come across some examples of that with my own friends. Um, I, I asked my, my my friend who's from of Egyptian background. I said, "What do you understand from Fadakir bil Qurani wa'id?" The end of Surah Qaf, hmm. it should say, uh, should be understood as and, and remind with uh, the Quran, whoever fears my warning, man yakhafu wa'id. And wa'id is, is sort of shortened from wa'idi, uh-huh. the kasra there. Yeah. But the, the ya is not there, right? Fadakir bil Qurani man yakhafu wa'id. I asked him, what do you understand from that? He said, um, and remind using the Quran. Uh, and repeat, like rinse and repeat. Okay. So he thought wa'id means wa'id. Right? Uh, so, right, okay. Because maybe in Egyptian dialect, it's sort of close to yeah. wa'id, wa'id. 
like like we have Eid every year, right? So it's the point is that it never would have occurred to them him that was wrong, mm. but someone who reads the translation would never have got that misconception, right? Other yeah. things can happen from translations, I grant you, <laughs> but the basic meaning will always be be there. So even someone who is a native speaker of Arabic probably should. Uh, read a translation or a tafsir in Arabic if that's what you um, if you're ready to do that then absolutely that's fine mm. but you should read something that explains to you the basic meanings um, and then of course to learn Arabic um, in order to get past an absolute dependence on the translation for me that was how I started out in in, in learning Arabic um, was just through sort of um, before having classes and so on I would read the translation of Quran along with the Arabic of the Quran. Sometimes I would do it like I would listen to the audio uh, recitation of the Quran and I would uh, scan with my eyes yeah. the translation. And I would start to notice, oh, that's what that word means. Oh, that's what that word means. And it would just yeah. subconsciously go into my brain. Um, and then I would start to notice, ah, kum, whenever you have kum on the end of something, it's like you all, mm. okay. And then na is like we or us. So you start to notice the pattern before anyone has to teach you all the pronouns. Interesting, you yeah. Oh, you got masjid here and masajid there. The translation is mosque and mosques. So I understand that the plural of masjid is masajid. Just to give mm-hmm. you a kind of example, I don't know if it's yeah. a real one for me. But reading the Quran with translation is a great first step to build mm-hmm. up some vocabulary and yeah. Um, and a basic idea of the patterns that form from the grammar of Quranic Arabic. And then, of course, attending classes and studying and, and pushing yourself forward so that you can understand the Quran without the translation. Um, but that, you know, that's that's so that you can go further. Yeah. And then maybe for your own self, like, um, you know, to, to, to read an ayah and say, okay, this is what I think it would mean. And then you check that against the translation or against the tafsir. Yeah. You know that way you you're actually um, you're checking how well you're doing in your process of learning. Mm. Yeah, you know the the method that you mentioned is actually really good. Um, it's something that uh, that that even I've tried to implement in some basic classes. People n- nothing to do with the Arabic language, but just reciting the Quran and at the same time getting the students to follow a translation. And funnily enough, we actually just follow Abdul Halim's one because it's just easy and nice, free flowing text for everyone mm. to follow. And then they end up picking up, like you said, that you end up picking up words or it's it's a more reflective kind of way of reading where you're listening to the Quran and you're able to pick up some things as well and see the English rather than me reading the verse and then saying, okay, here's a translation. It's it's, it's quite an effective way. And you also answered a question that I was, I was going to ask, which was, you, you kind of already answered it, which was, is a translation really a translation or do you consider it to be more of an interpretation? And you've kind of, you kind of answered it is, it is a translation that's the thing like yeah. i don't know why people are so i do know <laughs> because i read into the subject but it's it, it yeah. frustrates me no end why yeah. not just say it's a translation you don't have to say it's the translation of the meanings is yeah, there some yeah, other yeah, kind yeah. Of translation i'm a translator i translate through the medium of meanings there's no other type of translation i'm sorry to say yeah whoever told you that there's two types of translation literal translation and meaning translation this doesn't make any sense <laughs> or whenever you translate something you have to determine what's the meaning of that and how do I express that meaning in the other language so yeah. that's a translation there is no perfect translation of the Quran there never can be mm. quite honestly though there is no perfect translation of anything and there never can be right but yes the Quran is 
you know, particular level of challenge due to the beauty of his language, the perfection of his language, but also uh, the, the high responsibility of conveying divine speech in a different language. You're never going yeah. to be able to carry everything because it's, everything is significant. Mm. In the uh, the Arabic Quran, everything is significant, including the Arabic word that was used as opposed to another Arabic word. Mm. So it has a significance which makes it particularly impossible to translate perfectly, right? Yeah. Not impossible to translate. So there are translations of the Quran. We don't have to call them translations of the meaning of the Quran. Don't be so uh, <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> tedious about it. Yeah. Uh, translations of the Quran exist. But they are interpretations. Of course, they're interpretations. And they depend upon interpretations because how an ayah is translated um, should depend upon what the what the translator has understood from the mufassirin. Mm. So either the translator has to say, well, I'm, I'm a mufassir and I'm going to translate the Quran being a mufassir. Yeah. Or they have to say, as a translator, I depend upon mufassirin. Mm. Or they are saying, I don't care. <laughs> the Quran has no rights. <laughs> you know, yeah. anyone can just... If you say that, then I will throw your work out. <laughs> but if you show me that you are dealing with mufassirin, or you yeah. are yourself qualified enough to be <clears throat> minor mufassir, yeah, then then your work is worthy of being engaged with. Fair enough. To summarize this discussion, this bit on translation of the Quran, uh, just in 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 summary, then what would you say? Because uh, you know uh, the the question that's posed to you, you said it's not really fair. What's the best translation out there? Give me one that covers everything. So what would you say then? Fine. What generally makes a good translation of the Quran? In some what makes a good translation is, is a whole uh, host of factors. So first of all, like I said, any translation, you have to understand the text correctly. Yeah. When I say correctly, there are often multiple possibilities in understanding the Quranic ayah. That's why we have a whole tafsir tradition. That's why we have lengthy discussions around many ayat. Some ayat are, are, are very straightforward with one meaning, and that's really it. Some of them have multiple meanings that are, uh, some of them stronger than others. And some have several interpretations that are considered sort of equally strong by the Mufassirin who try to weigh their opinions. And they say, look, we can't really resolve what is the understanding. Therefore, we could say, for example, that all of these meanings are actually intended. But when they say all of these, I'll give you an example. Let's say uh, in Surah uh, Al-Qari'ah, right? وَأَمَّا مَنْ خَفَّتْ مَوَازِينُهُ فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةِ فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةِ Two words, right? فَ You can say a separate word. So, أُمُّهُ His um is هَاوِيَةِ That much we've got. That everyone can agree on. But what is the um and what is هَاوِيَةِ <laughs> There are three opinions which uh, some of the Mufassirin have said there are three strong opinions and there's no reason to yeah. uh, discard one or, or prefer one uh, absolutely, right? So they said, uh, whoever's scale is light, scale of good deeds is light. So then what's his fate? His mother is bereft, is destroyed. means right? So it's an expression for a person being destroyed, that he's not, he's not just, he's destroyed, his mother is destroyed, right? So mm. it's an Arabic expression, you know, they often said, you know, things in terms of mother or father to yeah. emphasize the condition of a person, right? So he's so destroyed that his mother is destroyed. Or or another way of looking at it is, because he is, is, is in such a state, then his mother will be bereft of him and she'll be destroyed with grief over what happens to him. فَأُمُّهُ هَاوِيَةِ 
that's one of the, the, the interpret and probably one that you've never heard before because I don't think that any of the translations even touched that one, right? Yeah. I, th- I if I recall correctly, they probably uh, deal with the other two. Mm. But in fact, I think they only take one. I'll, I'll deal with that one last. Okay, so the second interpretation for Ummu Huawiyah, uh, the Umm can be Umm Ras, which is the crown of the head, right? Mm-hmm. So the top of the skull. And Hawiyah simply means falling. Hawa is to fall. When Najmi Ida Hawa, by the star when it falls. So his he will fall headlong into the fire. Simple as that, right? For Ummu Hawiyah. If I recall from what I've seen, I, I don't think any of the translators touched that one as well. Maybe mm-hmm. some do, but it's also not a very difficult. Uh, the first one is maybe more difficult to to read into, but um is actually most obviously means mother. Yeah. Right? So then the third meaning, which I think the translations all gravitate towards, or pretty much, is that his his mother, but meaning his destination and his abode, will be Hawia, which is the name of a pit yeah. in the hellfire. Right. So Hawia they take as like a proper noun. Mm. Um, so his home will be Hawiya but Um doesn't easily mean uh, home but yeah. in the sense that it, it, it will embrace him uh, like a mother and it will be his only mother now he'll have no mother mm. except the punishment and the you know the Hawiya mm. so what I'm getting at is well why did I get here um, what makes a good translation first of all you know that the translator should have read the tafsirs, and then decided which one to go with rather yeah. than just, for example, gone with the most obvious or just copied all the other translators. Uh, you know, But they should be confident enough to say, I understood it in this way uh, based on what the Mufassirin have discussed around it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then, of course, you want, as well as the accuracy and so on, is, is to be readable. Um, for the most part, the translators done by native speakers of English who are kind of few and far between have a higher chance of doing well in this department, right? Yeah. Abu Halim used, uh, you know, not used in a bad way, <laughs> but like he, 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 he got the assistance of native speakers to read his translation and give him feedback yeah. on how it was reading. And he improved it through that process before it was published. And then he's continued to update it since then. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, he, he speaks like a native speaker anyway. But there are some people, honestly, who translated the Quran. You're like, why? Why did you do this? Who asked you, really? You know, <laughs> as English speakers, we didn't need someone who barely speaks English to translate the Quran for us. Honestly speaking, yeah, we have a lot going on already. Over here. <laughs> yeah. don't, don't bother if you're not. If, if yeah. so, so I'm working just now with the Sadna Oman, who you mentioned before, Bayina Institute. Yeah, I'm working with him on a new translation of the Quran. And when we started okay. out, um. My feeling was, do we need uh, another translation of the Quran? <laughs> I didn't have that. I didn't have that feeling. When we started doing it, I realized that, yeah, there is definitely room for another. Tra- there's definitely room for this translation, okay? Mm. Because um, we are, we are dealing with it on a certain level in certain ways and approaches, which I feel is definitely adding something. Not then. I mean, what it won't do is say replace all the other translations uh, and, and become the sole best yeah. translation. I hope it will be the best because that's the thing, like just by nature of subjectivity, if you ask me what's the best translation, it will be my translation. <laughs> it will be my translation. Or I will copy someone's translation that, you know, if I was copying yeah. 
I will quote to your translation that I feel expresses the meaning best in English. Uh-huh. And then, then it would become the way I translate it as well. Mm-hmm. So if you ask me, I will give you that subjective answer. It's not because yeah. I'm necess- you know, I'm better at it than anyone else. That's not the point. It's just that my best, subjectively speaking, is what I find to be best. And then I'll, I'll tell you that translation. Yeah. So, you know, this is going to take a while. We, we did some of Surah Al-Baqarah already. Yeah. Uh, We've been working on Surah Yusuf and continuing on that uh, at, the, at the current time. But what... Is what's proven to be really important is making it into contemporary English, and I don't mean like yeah. using stupid uh, modern expressions and you know, just for the sake of sounding hip and yeah, flat. yeah. The point well, I say contemporary English because I'm saying that's another reason that a translation cannot be the best, you know, forever and ever. Amen. I mean, because you are um, you're translating at, in, in a moment in time, yeah. and then in fifty years' time the language that you used will be outdated and old. So yeah. we're translating now in 2020. Uh, may Allah hasten our uh, passage in 2021. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, um, uh, may it be better for us and give us uh, khair and I mean. So, and relief. So the thing is that um, that's the other reason why we, we feel that we're doing something mm-hmm. in the present time which will expire and there'll yeah. be a need for other people that's a good point. Do a better job in their time. What I hope that we do is actually set a lot of the standards that can improve the standard of Quran translation going forward. Because it seems like just about every year a new translation is being published. Um, sometimes more than one per year is being published in English, um, and we don't need a lot more quantity. Mm. But there are certain things with regards to quality that do need a market step forward. So we take that upon ourselves. We try our best to do something that will will be um appreciated for what it is yeah and uh, you know and then we'll see how uh we'll see how the market judges it and then then we, we just really we hope for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that action yeah inshallah no that's something definitely to look forward to um i was going to i was going to quickly ask about because uh, we've spoken a lot about quran translations and we've said there's there's a lot out there there's a lot that you can access in english uh, and you did also touch on the fact that in terms of actual tafsir works, like you translated volume one of, uh, of Imam Razi's work, there's not really much out there. Um, perhaps I think Ibn Kathir was like a really, like that was done quite a while back, wasn't it? So that's quite widely available. Uh, I've never personally had a look at the English translation of it. Um, and I think like Ma'arif al-Quran is a very popular one. A lot of people refer to that. That's like Urdu and Arabic and then now English. Uh, and I think Qurtubi, some of it's partially, out and it's yeah. in the works yeah mm. partially it's, it's out so so like why why do you think there's not much more do you think we need more tafsir works being translated for, we need, we for need more access? yeah we need more but we need qualified people to do it okay if you, if, like i said before if you can't do it just don't do it nobody's forcing you Okay. <laughs> so and yeah. also in Tarjama, there's no there's no compulsion. Okay. Don't feel mm-hmm. compelled to translate something because we need it. We don't need yeah. bad translations. That's what I'm gonna say. Okay. Um I'm trying to, you know, lead a team of people. You know, you don't have to do it with me. You can do it. You can you don't have to, but if you want to, I'm I you know, I want to uh, to bring people on board who can who can do things, right? So at yeah. the moment, okay, just to mention what we've got out there, right? Ibn Kathir is out there, but all abridged uh, versions yeah. of the tafsir, which, you know, maybe it should be abridged anyway in English, right? right. 
but that's how it is. Uh, Ma'arif al-Quran is, is a full translation as far as I understand uh, from Urdu. And then you've got um, very recently Tafsir al-Sa'di from Arabic has been translated to English. Um, what other full tafsirs? Uh, in terms of partial uh, tafsirs, you you have got... Okay, so in addition to that, of course, we've got Tafim al-Quran of uh, Maududi. We've got mm. in the shade of the Quran. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And these things, sometimes people, you know, they kind of hate on them and say, well, they're, they're not Mufassirin, etc. I'll tell you what, people in the field of tafsir appreciate these works, you know. Mm. Appreciate them for what they are. Uh, they are a bit different from standard tafsirs, sure. Yeah. Don't call it tafsir if you don't want, that's fine. But a lot of what they said is like very, very uh, powerful and useful to to appreciate the message of the Quran for mm. For modern times, you know, it's already they're already a bit outdated. Let's let's be honest, right? Because they were True. written in the sixties, yeah. right? Or before that. So and and they have their context, right? And so so you know, people are, we draw attention to, um, you know, some of the turmoil that that surrounded the writing of in the shade of the Quran, mm. right? But the the point is that also the translators have taken those kind of things into account. Uh, yeah, is a very competent, very respected translator mm. who worked in the shade. Um, so anyway, don't, what I'm saying is don't depreciate these works. Uh, whether you want to call them tafsir or you want to sniff at the word tafsir, that's that's fine, but but they are useful works. In addition to that, we've got um, partial tafsir. So tafsir Razi is partially translated and is, is continuing a bit. Uh, Al-Qurtubi is, seems to be a project that's that's intended to be in full. Baydawi, uh, Bajiyaf Haddad, he's, he's released one volume. He's, he's planning to release the full uh, translation. Um, you've got a tabari. You've got parts of a tabari translated um, as well. Um, I, you know, I've got a, a more complete list somewhere, but this is just to mention some of them. Some of them, yeah. So, <clears throat> it, the, the fact is, it's, it's it's hard, and if it's going to be done, it has to be done properly. Tafsir yeah. of Ibn Juzay, inshallah, the Tafsir of Ibn Juzay al Kalbi will be coming out in full in a couple of years, and I'm working on that just now. Um, inshallah. So the translation was already done as a, in a draft format mm-hmm. uh, by Aisha Buley, Hafizahullah. And I'm reworking that translation. It's going to be published before long. And, and I think that will be something that really adds to, to what is available out there in terms of full tafsirs, classical tafsirs. Yeah. And that's in terms of classical um, works and what we need going forward will be something else other than yeah. translations. Um, but you know, like, so people sometimes say to me as well, like, oh, why do why do you start work on writing a, a new commentary? And the thing is, um, yeah, how do you how do you get to a place where you're <laughs> where you're allowed to do that? Yeah. I think that um, for me, it's a, a lot about trying to do khidma to the mufassirin, um, and I have a lot of other khidmas planned, mm. including to the tafsir of Ibn Ashur, rahimahullah. Yeah, to work on a kind of translation of that work. Um, before I turn fully, you know, head and beard going white. Yeah, and then maybe I will say something myself. Inshallah. Inshallah. So that sounds good. So it sounds like the the it's 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 quite exciting what the future holds in terms of. There seems to be a lot more, uh, a, a lot more work. You know, a lot more 
things in the works, inshallah, uh, coming coming fairly soon. And I think that, that that's definitely great. Let's end off just on a quick practical note, Sheikh. Uh, just in terms of anybody who's interested, I'm not saying interested in going out there and quickly getting something published and out there, but someone interested in translating the Quran. They have, a, they have a keen kind of interest in that. What last kind of tips can you give uh, to them to kind of slowly begin that journey in, in Quran translation? Well, again, it's, it's, a case, it's not a case of um, thinking about the output. Think about mm. the input. So what, um, I don't know why someone would feel, okay, I want to work on, you know, I want to do a Quran translation. What is it that they see is the, is the gap or the problem that needs to be solved by another translation? Mm-hmm. Um, that needs to be clear first. So it's about how do I actually understand the Quran myself? Uh, that is the reason that I went to study what I studied and just you know to focus on Quranic studies in particular at Al Azhar. If if I could, I would have just gone there purely to learn for myself, and that would be it. But you know you can't really get away with that, especially when people are you know. So if I have an expectation, you're going to come back and obviously contribute something and do something, which yeah. I'm happy to do. But in the first place, I went to study because I wanted to know. And I'm literally, I'm still doing what I do because I want to know. Um, so everything I do that involves an output is combined with an input. And I choose the projects that I do according to what I feel is useful for me. Mm. Uh, Professor Jonathan Brown, who, uh, you know, mashallah, he wrote a, a small blurb on this, uh, the great yeah. exegesis. When I, to- when I told him early on that I was uh, doing this, he said something very smart, as he tends to do. He said, oh, Tafsir Razi, you're translating that. That's going to make you a beast. And the thing is, um, <laughs> what I appreciate about, you know, this is majaz, of course, this is metaphorical. Yeah, yeah. Not dab, but I mean al The... The idea was he understood that by doing it, I would become a beast, <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, not that I, okay, to some extent, you have to have some beastness with it. Beast, beast, what's the word? Don't know, don't say it. You have, to have some uh, beastness inside you to, to do it. Yeah. But no doubt, I grew a great deal by doing it. Mm. It expanded my mind you know, alhamdulillah to, to, you know, whatever it's, it's not, it still needs a more, lot more expanding, but yeah. from what it was, right. Mm. So um, I still choose projects on that basis, right. So what I do is like, is this going to allow me to grow? Is this going to allow me to learn while being sure that I'm also giving something that could be a benefit to others and is good enough, right. That I can justify doing it and publishing it and putting it out there. Mm. So that is still, so uh, I accepted the Tafsir ibn Juzay project because I thought, well, I want to learn about how a mukhtasar, a concise commentary, how does that work? I want to, um, yeah, I want to go Maliki after going Shafi'i with, uh, <laughs> 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 um, and I'm Hanafi, by the way. So yeah, this is yeah, all, yeah. all, you know, expanding out here and there. Um, so is, is there something that I can benefit from doing it? Uh, I took the opportunity because I thought, okay, while translating or working the translation or editing the translation of Tafsir ibn Juzayi, I will also go through this as a course with a group of students mm-hmm. so that I can uh, share with them some insights about reading Tafsir and translating Tafsir and also how to assess a translation that's been already done and how to learn from things that go right and wrong in yeah. in the process of translation. 
So that's what I would say, like, be uh, self-centered in this regard. Uh. The world is not desperate necessarily for your output, right? Um, first, you know, build yourself up to be the person who, who gets what you need, your own curiosity satisfied. And it should never be satisfied, right? You should be like that son of Adam who's mentioned in the hadith when he said, the Prophet ﷺ said that if the son of Adam was given a valley full of gold, he would wish for a second valley. Uh-huh. You should be like that with, with ma'rifah, with knowledge, uh-huh. right? Anything that you get, you, you get the information that you were, you were after or the answer you were after, you should just have more questions, right? And you should go, keep, keep going and finding out. Um, that's how it should be with the Quran. We're not going to get the final answers um, just handed to us like that. Right? Yeah. And if we have the benefit of, of reading the great insights of the Mufassirin and they're giving us answers on a plate, we should use that in order to motivate ourselves to the next questions that we can ask, right? Because yeah. that's that's how our investigation, our exploration of the Quran should be appreciating what it is. It's guidance for all times. It's guidance for all things and situations. Yeah. So I would say that focus on the Arabic language. Um, put a great deal of effort in Arabic language. Do not rush. Persevere in the Arabic language. If your Arabic language is not a given um, priority at this early stage, nothing can be built upon it. Certainly not translation of the Quran. Mm. I've seen people who translated the Quran recently who translated certain words based on what it appeared to them to mean. Again, you know, maybe like certain Arabic native speakers, yeah, but not native Fusha speakers, you understand, mm-hmm. where they read something sort of in an Egyptian way. I don't yeah. mean to hate on any country, but it just so happens. You read a word in an Egyptian way, it means something different. Like they misunderstood and they wrote that in a translation and they published that translation. Don't rush. Mm. Don't rush. Right? So the Arabic language has to be solid. And then, of course, there are all the different ulum that are connected to tafsir. Ulum of the Quran, the ulum of the tafsir of the Quran, what the Mufassirin have said. And then all the things that are connected to that in some way, you need to have an appreciation of. Um, but, yeah. Translation is uh, is something which um, you know, we need more of. I want to encourage more people to do it, but I want to encourage you to get strong, you know, nah. before attempting it. Uh, I mean, I, I mean, beyond attempting it like as a hobby, do it as a hobby. But and before attempting to publish things in translation, please, please, you know, we need to raise the game. Really, we just don't need more uh, translations of Islamic um, texts and so on that are, you know, half baked. Uh, we need we need thorough work, scholarship. You know, if you do something as a kind of hobby, make sure it goes to somebody who is, you know, suitably in a position to assess that translation, check it, correct it before uh, uh, before putting it out there into the world. Yeah, I really liked your point about the the whole input versus output. Uh, very very valuable advice. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh Sohib. That is all we have uh, time for. Uh, today, if you don't mind just holding up because you've got closer access to it, holding up your book again, volume one of Tafsir uh, Razi. Where can we get hold of this, by the way, just for everyone else watching? You can find it from Amazon or ethical resellers. From <laughs> 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 the publisher itself. Excellent. Um, and yeah. and you mentioned this this new volume that you're working on with Surah Yusuf uh, and and other chapters. When can we expect 
to, to, to see that. In about 2022 because uh, okay. some work to be done on it and then it has to go through the process with the publisher. Yeah. But around 2022, Inshallah. Hopefully better times by then. Hopefully much, much better. But uh, thank you so much, Sheikh, uh, for joining us. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Really enjoyed our discussions today. Um, and for our viewers and listeners, um, hope you benefited from today's discussion. Uh, don't forget to check out Sheikh Suhaib's work um, and uh, keep an eye out for those upcoming publications. Uh, don't forget to uh, uh, keep an eye out for upcoming podcasts as well from Ilm Feed. Subscribe to our channel. Keep up to date. And uh, we will hopefully see you very, very soon with another episode of the Ilm Feed podcast. From myself, Shabir, from Sheikh Suhaib Saeed, uh, we bid you farewell. Until next time. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.